The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Ben Howarth. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Jack Newman, and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast, where we're getting back to our... I don't think we can call it the Bondcast on this one because legally there might be some issue with that. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, this this is well, this, I didn't. This is the non-canonical. Non-canonical. It's not <laughs> part of the. What is it? The, the I've been too long in Catholic school. I can't remember. Yeah. What the one. The, the one. The uh, accepted text. The uh, yeah. The, 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 the canon. The catechy the, or something like that. I think it's something like that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Jesus. That that's a deep religious cut for this. But anyways, I love it's part that. of the apocrypha. I, I remember I, what the opposite I, yes, is. Yes, it is part of the <laughs> apocrypha. Yes, we were talking about some. One of the two I, I do love, apocryphal films with uh, Bond. I do love how that is just like Bond for you, Ben, a little bit. It's just like if we're just going to make direct religious conflict. Oh, yeah. Oh, know, yeah. Connections. I mean, it's like, it's like, this, it's this is the kind of movie that I, I love being a Bond fan for because it just gets into like the nerdy fucking lawsuits and copyright claims. And, and that's when like, you know, Bond fans come in all kinds and I'm the one that just likes knowing why this franchise has existed for so long yeah, and all the weird yeah, yeah, turns yeah. it's taken and the year that there was two bond films is a very special weird film yeah year indeed. and those two bond films this year the first one we're going to be doing first is never say never again the 1983 uh irvin Kirshner uh james bond movie uh starring the return of uh sean connery as james bond ha 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 never say never again it is a thinly veiled remake of thunderball uh which is I think kind of the the other most bizarre thing about this movie is it is essentially like almost shot for shot at times, like just Thunderball. And it's kind of just like the same plot points, everything. We don't really change names or anything. It's just we're underwater. We're doing the whole thing. And it's just really weird to watch him do exactly what they did again with just James Bond being way less sexy than he was in the original. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like I have a sneaking suspicion when we go back like in like 20 years from now when we're looking at all these Disney reboots, we're going to kind of have that same perspective is like you didn't add anything to the formula like this technology didn't help anything all it does is like locked in this moment of time in the uncanny valley like mm-hmm. you know i think that's like the way that i look at it now because they're like oh we're gonna add all these cool stunts and do all this new production and it's gonna update thunderball to this new level and it's like no nah, i still rather go watch classic thunderball uh that said, I think I agree with Ben entirely that I think the the meta commentary and everything else that was meta happening in James Bond universe around in 1983 with Octopussy coming out starring Roger Moore at the same time just makes it a fascinating, a fascinating movie and a, and a, and a, and a very fun Bond rewatch, actually. Not because it's particularly good, in my opinion, but because it's it's just there's a lot of shit going on. I got a quick intro for you guys or a little summary here. A Spectre agent has stolen two American nuclear warheads and James Bond must find their targets before they are dead detonated uh that is not the exact <laughs> that is not exactly the same one as thunderball uh thunderball is actually has a little bit more in depth to it and it's a little bit better written yeah but stars uh kim basinger uh claus maria brandau How, what is it what is his name ben i, I can never do klaus uh, marie brandauer damn damn he has a very comfy sweater in this movie he's got a he's got a um like what is it uh captain america sweater from knives out yeah <laughs> no, he, he lives up to that uh that three-part name i think he's pretty good 
Yeah. No, he, a, he's a, a very interesting choice. Like Brandauer was just like a like I don't know like a not even Anthony Hopkins because Anthony Hopkins plays a lot of villains and got famous for playing villains like like a Bob Hoskins or someone I don't know someone just very <laughs> not intimidating like a classic character actor type um, and he's a very comfy Largo in comparison with uh, I forget who played Largo in Thunderball yeah yeah it's also mm-hmm. wasted that this is like they, they they actually allow a Blofeld to be seen on screen as well well and it's like Max von Sydow and it's just like the it's just like one of those moments where it's like you know it's like this a lot of this movie's dumb but like that was not a dumb move right <laughs> like just having Max von Sydow play like Blofeld or like you know the, what if what could have been kind of thing of that is like good in of itself but it's amazing that's like just a nerd moment too because yeah that's, I, I want to do I just want to get general impressions before we go ahead and start talking about going to down the hole of like the meta which i assume that this is what the cast is going to be for the most part but uh, let me start with you trevor what do you think of never say never again i was looking forward to this one because for whatever reason it is the sean connery one that i think i saw most maybe because it was on tv most i don't know um but i thought it was okay (laughs) i think uh, it's, it's been weird for me throughout this, uh, journey of ours to realize that as much as I think of Sean Connery as the iconic James Bond, I've enjoyed his movies on average, probably less. And, uh, this kind of follows that pattern for the most part, although I think his, uh, performance is, is fine and he's, he's got the charm and the, the, uh, charisma, I think as much as he ever did in this one, I, I, I was prepared for him to be, uh, totally, um, you know, he literally said he would never do it again. That's the joke of the title and totally done with it and just kind of cashing a check with this, literally, but apparently he really wanted to get back into it. So yeah, I don't literally think he's cashing a, a check. From his wife. That's that's one hundred percent true. Exactly. The title comes. Yeah. Wait, really? From Sean yeah, it was Connery's her idea. Wife saying you you said I. Uh, she said she was like, didn't you say you would never uh, do this again? And he's like, right, right, right. She's like, we'll never say never again. And then he's like, ah, <laughs> that's the title. That's a Bond title. It's so much like it, it uh, def- Edge. The reason that Spider-Man turned off the dark, that infamous Broadway flop was called that, was because that's what Edge from U2's daughter used to say when he would turn off the lights. She'd be like, turn off the dark, please. And he's like, what a great title for a Spider-Man musical. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, insane people should not be given title rights. That's my point. It's it's one of those things, too, when you're like, you you know, sometimes it's just weird, like what works in terms of the context of social life. It's like, I love you. Three thousand works so well. And it's like one of those dumb things. And like and it's just turn off the dark. You're like, that's dumb. Fuck you. And fuck your dumb. You no, it's just so it's like, yeah, it's like it's kind of in the context of like a good piece. It's like, oh, now it's all has value and stuff. But it doesn't because of that play, um, which I've never seen. But I my god brother has seen like 12 times. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he is. They are a huge fan of that uh, production. Right. Uh, yeah, we talked I, about I, that in theater just because it was a thing that, you know, was part of the world of Broadway <laughs> that could never be forgotten <laughs> for for good and bad reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, but uh, I think uh, let me toss to you, Ben, too. Uh, where do you sit? What does never say never again? Obviously, it sits in just an interesting. Obviously, the most thing that, again, the things that continues to be about this movie is that it's just an interesting piece of history. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, ironically, I think it's better. It's more. It's, I do think in post rewatching, it's more fun to rewatch just on in the context of Octopussy, because I think Octopussy is just kind of like mid tier Roger Moore. And this is like, this is, this is, this movie is the weird Sean Connery movie. So like, sure. uh, sure. yeah. So like, where, where do you like it or where does it sit for you? Um, I think part, well, I mean, I, I would say my, my harsh review is that it's more fun to read the, the Wikipedia articles and the biography. Oh yeah. The oh yeah. Flash this film. Um, I think the 80s were really tough for Bond. I think it, it was chasing the kind of 80s action movie. And my whole thing is this feels like a canon movie. Like you could replace this with uh, Chuck Norris, in the lead. And it would basically be the same movie in a lot of ways. It wouldn't feel that odd. It just has a kind of cheap sleaziness to it that I don't find very exciting. Um, yeah. And I, I just... It's one of the ones I just don't love coming back to, even though it's a fascinating curio. I just find watching it to be a chore. Part of the problem is that it is literally Thunderballs. It's a straight up remake. I mean, they, they change things around here or there. Blofeld has a bigger role because they want to you know pump up Max von Sydow in it. But uh, it's mostly the exact same movie. Um, Connery cares more than he does in Diamonds Forever, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he really did want to come back? I just think it was just he kind of forgot how to play that role at that point. He was starting to get, you know, like, uh, when's the Untouchables? Like five years after this? Like once he gets to Untouchables, Sean Connery knows what old Sean Connery does. You know what I mean? Untouchable is like the birth of old Sean Connery, which is a totally different actor to me than young Sean Connery. Like when he... Just gives up on the hair. He accepts that he's a bald man. He grows that beautiful <laughs> beard. And he just goes like, the Chicago way. Rah, rah, rah. Like he becomes almost parodically Scottish more than he ever was before. <laughs> Even when he's in Chicago or in the Highlander when he's a Spaniard or whatever. Like, uh, I don't think he's quite there yet. He's trying to chase young Sean Connery. And I just think he, you know, it, the funny thing is he's still younger than Roger Moore is in Octopussy, which is hilarious. There's two Bond movies where they're both in their 50s. Like, yeah. What was happening in the 80s? Um, so it's just not one I love to come back to. And it's not one I even hate that much. It's just it just kind of sits in the in the kind of lower middle yeah. tier for me. It, it, I, you know I think it's I just can... so much more interesting to talk about Kevin McClory and that whole history than uh, like if there's like if there was a there there they get into it and like the. Bond documentaries, but there was one documentary just on this movie and just on the Kevin McClory stuff. I would say watch that, <laughs> but there isn't. It's like in a pieces in all other documentaries because they don't love talking about it because it's all very messy. Yeah, I I think one of the things too is interesting is like you know top one of the facts too. I do think he came back guns coming because he actually like one of the telling things is he actually broke his hand working with Steven Seagal for this movie. Because Steven Seagal was like a really, really young, like martial arts trainer on this movie at the time. So he wasn't famous yet. He was like 83. Yeah. I, I think like the first Siege movies, like fuck by now. Uh, but, he, but the he point is, is like late 80, like literally a producer sees Steven Seagal training. And he's like, 
I'm going to make you a movie star. And then he just like puts his face on yeah. the big face on the poster. And it's like, it just happens for him. It's not like a, it's not like a slow build where he learned any acting, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just probably the problem yeah. now when you see him on like, it's, it's yeah, it's, Oh, it's where he's like in Russia. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's just, a, there's, there's lots hurt, of videos. He, you can see how far down the rabbit I, hole. I gone. really like siege movies. So it's like, I see him and stuff and I like, ah. Oh, this is super painful. I just, yeah. I think I saw also, that movie Hard to Kill like 90 times yeah. on cable. Oh, it's always on shit. cable, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's good. I, I, Joe Rogan, and you can hate Joe Rogan all you want, for, and there's plenty of reason probably to dislike his podcast at times, but like, um, I do trust him on like certain MMA things. Obviously, he's got a good pedigree, and he did talk about like Steven Seagal's like stuff, and it's like, it's kind of legit, but not really legit, and there's like all this question about it, but it was, it's definitely like that kind of like tossing people around is like totally like how Bond fights from like this movie, all the movies actually, and on out. Like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, I, I just think that's funny. I, I think it's also funny to, ta- that telling that like Sean Connery was actually like heavily training for this movie he didn't happen during the movie he legitimately like went like Sean Connery fucking showed up to sessions to try to figure out how to flip on a mat which is I think very indicative of like and also like the fact about him doing the title from like his wife saying he would never do this again like I just feel like he's so much more involved even in the previous movies like I don't think he was ever this involved in the original Thunderball like it's he he was just he's chasing something here and it hurts and I also think it's like the predecessor this is like a way less like it's less, it's way better it's done in skyfall with like bond being too old which is also hilarious that they're pretending that daniel craig in skyfall is too old to be blind <laughs> because like, bond has <laughs> always been old bond has like always been your like you know geriatric dad like that's exactly like what it is like but it, I, I just think that it's i just think that it's interesting specifically here with like you know I just think it's interesting that he was so involved in this production and it just it it's this is like one of those moments where I do kind of devalue like he does add something to it like he has he does pull off the smirkiness of the role and does it but I, I don't ever think like Sean Connery was adding so much to Bond that he like became inseparable from it and that's classically too what happened here is that like unfortunately like you know I don't know, you know it's hard to declare what won or didn't win here but I think most people would agree that Octopussy did better that Octopussy was cheaper and made more money which I think by any right. metric is generally winning because Octopussy cost 27.5 million and the box office was 187.5 million. Uh, Never Say Never Again was 36 million. So it's almost 10 million more. And then the box office was 160. Yeah. So. And apparently it was a really contentious production with Sean Connery and uh, I don't remember which producer, John K. Right. Something You're going right. back and forth. And um, he called it a Mickey Mouse production or something about them underestimating how much everything would cost and having to dip into his own pocket. I- in order to finish the production. I believe that. <laughs> I can yeah. see that. I can see that I, so much. I, I think it was also just like, you know, I think that I think the difference here too is it's like you know the Sean Connery you know Sean, uh, sorry Roger Moore's production and MGM at this point is like sorry not MGM but like Roger Moore at this point like their production is the same crew same right. everything it's the brain trust or yeah, the bond it, tr- the bond trust yeah. I guess yeah, they're, been, they're making they're, yeah. they're making Thor Ragnarok at this point and they're trying to do you know they're trying to do Avengers one it's like a Justice League they don't know what they're fucking doing they're just trying to rub things together like it's, you know at this it's point like, like they, uh, the Immortals remember that show that was like a huge flop with MCU fans where it's like that was made entirely outside of the Kevin Feige realm and it just was embarrassing and bad and and I don't think it's this bad but I think you're right like you know the Broccoli's have been making this for 20 years at this point 
you, you got your crew like John Glenn was an editor. Now he's a director. Like they still yeah, like have yeah, had the same. Yeah. You know, it's very much a family. You stick yeah, around business yeah. much to a fault. Like they've had the same writers in current Bond for the last 20 years. And I'm kind of sick of them. But like mm-hmm. they stick around, you know, there's certain people. Yeah, that like, Yeah. If yeah. you're in that family, you stick around and they know what they're doing and they could kind of just you just tell them these are the five stunts you got to do and film the you know dialogue scenes. And then, you know, you got a Bond movie every couple of years, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're and it's not particularly wow. Some, something I thought of not particularly wowed by any of the st- I mean, there's good stuff with like the motorcycle chase and stuff. The, the motorcycle tube, chase I, I guess, is particularly kick ass. That's, that's I, I probably the best one. Yeah, in the film, yeah, yeah, and it and and I also surprisingly find that the underwater sequences are so inferior to Thunderball, oh, yeah. which is amazing. Well, and it suffers. Like it's weird to go back because I I remember that I remember being like, why are the underwater sequences sucking this one? And then I was like, I can't be that way. And then I was watching, and I was like, these suck. Well, we have so an underwater like you know uh, classic style line up the troops underwater battle in the original Thunderball. Here it's just the one kind of face off with Largo and you can't even really tell it's him because he's wearing a mask uh, and at the same time you know in the original Thunderball they have like the frogmen parachuting into the water with scuba tanks which is impossible but yeah, in this that's one a stunt. in this one they have like it, it does it kind of feels like one-upsmanship where they're like oh, we're going to launch people out of torpedoes that have jetpacks and it's like just not as cool it's kind of dumb looking yeah. I, I also think this is the difference between the, the, econ- the economics of 1965 and mm. 1980 like 1983 mm. like it was just more expensive to do that shit like the 20 years difference means that like parachuting people out of planes probably was not as like cost effective as like you could have done with the movie studio like there was more of an old boys club they probably got away with more shit this is just this is to- this is based on nothing this is just totally my fucking theory by the way like no, i don't I, f- I, there's I think so. but like Especially- i yeah like Octopussy and, and Four Guys only just has like crazy stunts that, that I think I only got away with because they are the Bond production and they hadn't killed anybody yet. Well, right. I mean, right. the last move, the last Roger Moore movie is when somebody died on the bobsled stunt and that movie was stunt after stunt, sometimes too long, but like I at least enjoyed the stunts in that movie because they were all so produced and so spectacular and just, oh, I don't know, there was something I, I visionary say, like, in each one. The the four year eyes only helicopter is like a perfect epitome of the more era where it's like he's incredible stunts. He's very dumb. What the hell's going on? It's entirely mm. petty too, which is hilarious. It's, it yeah. doesn't part with this film. And then, but it's like you can't do that stunt. And I started to be bleak, but you can't do that stunt after the Twilight Zone movie. You can't have helicopters flying like this close to the camera after that movie famously kills. You know two children in the star because of a helicopter mm. crash. Like mm. there's a certain level that I think Eon got away with for a while. And then I think they kind of woke up after that. I, I think yeah. Dalton yeah. on, you don't have that kind of crazy level where they're just like, fuck it. Let's see. Like, you know, bond movies, like the, there's one, I think it's live and let die where like the stuntman literally walks on alligators. They're like, shouldn't we fake this? And like, nah, just walk on. <laughs> you know, right. like it's, there, there is a casualist, which is good and bad. I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that people argued with the raid. They never ended up making a raid American movie though. They promised to. And everyone pointed out that like, you can't do those stunts because in Indonesia where they film those movies, the laws yeah. are just like way mm-hmm. more Different. lax. And the yeah. people are 
all trained in martial arts. Like you're just never going to get that level of fight choreography. And I think yeah. in the same way, like when you try to approach the Eon production and you don't have their people. And obviously Eon is probably saying, if you work on never say never again, you're never working on a bond film ever. Like I'm sure. Oh they yeah. Had that in their and they tried to get a lot of people that, movie. and yeah. And they tried to get a lot of people like uh, James Horner was going to do the score. Oh, that was a different issue, I think, but like a bunch of people were like, I can't do this cause I'm going to stay loyal to Eon. Too in like a, a couple different facets of the production, right? That they and, wanted and, to get. and 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 honestly, like yeah, it's like picking the fight. Like you know, this is like this is the thing. Like, well, we know, can't have Desmond Lewin as Q, and we can't have the classic Money Penny. We have to have like alternate reality Money Penny and, and Q, which, yeah, which uh, is the Q. Q is very as a very one of those wink nudge meta moments for sure. Whenever he's well, like, "Oh, we don't have the budget for the gadgets anymore, and we need gratuitous <laughs> sex and violence." We need some of that. Like it, it was also like it was one of those things too with like Q and other things. There's like a huge amount of like fourth wall break in this movie. This is the only other movie besides this movie where James Bond like literally turns and winks at the camera is like mm-hmm. Casino Royale, which is apparently a reference to Honor OHMSS somewhere. Yeah, OHMSS has the you know the infamous where he's like this never happened to the other fella, you know. And it's right. Like, oh yeah, but that's that was clever. I don't know, like that. I buy all that shit, right? Like the this one is constantly like, going out of its way to be. Like we're breaking the rules a little bit. Like we're the we're the we're the punk rock bond, and it's like, nah, not so much. <laughs> you're not. No, you're you're kind of like you're 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 essentially like Bond sixty years ago, trying to act like you're Bond from the eighties. Well, can I can I lay out just how this film happened, just because it is fascinating? Go, yeah, give us the lead because so, I'm not exactly super familiar with the legal background. I know generally what happened, but please, you yeah, you by so, all means are the expert on this. So what happened was um, before even um, Dr. No came up, um, Ian Philomene was still alive. You know, he lived through, I think, Goldfinger. Um, he was still alive. He wanted to get Bond on screen. They had made one Bond TV movie, but, you know, it was like an hour long TV movie. It wasn't, you know, didn't go anywhere. Um, but interesting it's to see, terrible too. see it. It's not good. Uh, Casino Royale is a very <laughs> dry book. And the, the, the second iteration was very smart to... Uh, Put the book as just like one act. <laughs> it was very wise. Um, anyway, so Ian Fleming met with this other screenwriter named Kevin McClory and uh, another screenwriter named Jack Whittingham. But I think Whittingham just kind of backed away after this happened. And they made a uh, Bond, a, a unique Bond film that wasn't based on any previous books from Fleming. Um, but the script never got bought. And so he just turned it into a book called Thunderball, and he took sole crediting writing from it, despite the fact that he took a lot of the ideas that uh, McClory and Jack Whittingham had. So uh, McClory got super pissed off when Thunderball was written, and especially when it came out, and he sued, and he got uh, exclusive this really weird deal where Ian Fleming and Eon could produce Thunderball, but then after 10 years... He had the rights to Thunderball and all the characters that are in Thunderball. So that means he has legal rights to James Bond, uh, Blofeld, who he created, who was created in Thunderball, which is why Blofeld doesn't show up after the 60s uh, until Spectre, because Eon did not have the rights to him. And arguably um, Spectre itself, supposedly, right? Spectre itself, yeah, because that's why they did Quantum in the um, 
That's why the, the, the whole quantum thing in the Craig films is so awkward because they're like, oh, this mysterious group, quantum. And then they get to Spectre and they have all the rights back. And they're like, eh, quantum <laughs> is just it's just a subsidiary. It's just like, yeah. like it's just a spinoff. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's just like we have Spectre back. It's super painful, honestly. It's, rough. it's like it's so rough. It, it's 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 one of those moments where you're just like, God fucking damn it. Yeah, I still haven't <laughs> yeah. seen uh, Craig Spectre. And I just read that when I was reading about this film and I was like oh it makes sense now why they did that and it was a big no, deal and I they regressed. I laughed my ass off like once they got the rights back and like three months later they're like it's called Spectre. I'm like oh they've been waiting so long they're mm-hmm. just gonna overdo it and they did. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they were they were also obsessed. I mean I think I think that the reason Spectre fails is pretty specific. We'll actually get to that bond maybe one day but I do think there's like there's like an expectation of like there was such a desire to set up the bond universe to get to make it more sequel based and to have its own internal logic and they finally had the rights with specter to go ahead and do that because that's the through line is like setting up him and they do it all yeah. and they like blow their load all in one movie essentially and it's terrible yeah so it's this very weird thing where yeah. Gloria owns the rights to specter he owns the right to blowfeld and he only owns the rights to this movie so this plot so literally he can make a bond movie only if it's this plot so he has been like trying for like decades to get it done he finally convinces connery the fact that he gets connery back is what gets him all the funding obviously because he's like you know i'm right. getting connery back you know the original bond yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go take these people's lunch yeah exactly exactly and i think you know he got connery in a good point connery was in a bunch of flops in a row and and, and just kind of hadn't found his groove and like i said a year a couple years after this he's this highlander and untouchables and he's old connery action man he's set you know yeah. he figures it yeah. out until the he gentleman. Yeah, he, he doesn't. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I I still don't think I think he figures out what he's going to do to make a paycheck. I don't ever think he like rises to the same level of stardom that he was during James Bond, no, which is no. which is the painful thing about it is like, you know, that's just, you know, he's just he ages out. And unfortunately, like because of his people's he memory, becomes at this like, point. A, a, like a he becomes the and Sean Connery. You know, what I mean, like he'll be in untouchables is and sean connery and, yeah he's and, a he's you know, a yeah yeah exactly he's yeah. like the old wise dude like that's why he won they wanted him for morpheus and gandalf famously and he turned both those guys like, god he, he would have been I, terrible he, he, morpheus he, he would have been terrible he would have been terrible as, as gandalf i'm sorry yeah, like i, I, I it, so good. ian I mckellen is so good like it was just like yeah. i'm sure we would have accepted him and been like yeah he's gandalf but i don't think it would have been as synonymous as ian mckellen it's hard to picture those movies like reaching the uh, pinnacle in pop culture that they did without Ian well, McKellen. If you know, I mean, it, 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 without them being exactly as they are for that reason, but here's, I mean, but here's the other thing too, is like Sean Connery. And this is my problem as to why he's like, doesn't rise to Ian McKellen. He just, he doesn't have a warmth about him. Sean Connery is like one of those people that I'm sure in real life is kind of an, kind of a fucking asshole. Oh, he is. It's like one of those things where it's like, you, you see him like, and it's like, think of him as like a mentor figure in Highlander. He's just an asshole to him the entire fucking Punch time. Punch the keys, damn it. Yeah. It's like, it's fine, but like, like he doesn't actually have like this breath of range as an, like he's, I was about to say, we just compared, we just talked about Steven Seagal a minute ago. By that definition of action star, he does have extreme breath, but like right. still, right. 
like, right. but he's, but he still doesn't have like this ton of range. And then you get to Ian McCullen and it's less like, well, think of like the range of what happens with Gandalf in that movie and how he goes about selling it. And it's just like, there's a, there's like a breath to that character. And then you see him and other things and it's like, yeah, I, I just, I just feel like, you know, asshole Gandalf was definitely like sort of a thing that could have happened and, and could have happened easily to be honest. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And just to wrap up real quick, so this one comes out and makes just it was the big thing was who's gonna win the box office? Is it gonna be Octopussy? Is it gonna be Never Say Never Again? Octopussy comes out first and just barely beats it by fifteen million. But I think that's enough that yeah. people are like, Yeah, okay, this weird experiment and it was a huge headache and Connery I think was so bummed out by it all in the experience and yeah. it not refreshing his stardom, like you said. I think he just got Tired of it. And the McClory's thing, I guess, was he was going to just continue to get Bond actors after they retired and make their Thunderbolt remake. So he was like really going for Timothy Dalton after he, uh, because he figured he was also mad because he was promised a third Bond film. And then it got stuck and turned around for all kinds of weird reasons that I'm never quite clear on. And then they, he just kind of got to the point that they finally could get Pierce Brosnan, who they've wanted forever. And then they they got him and they were like, sorry, Dalton, which kind of sucks. Cause I, I think Dalton's two films were kind of good. But uh, uh, that's up for debate, obviously. Um, and then he just kind of kept on to the rights, kept suing, kept trying to get this movie made and then eventually died in 2006. Uh, Sony bought up the rights and we're going to plan the same thing where they're going to have their own little Sony universe, much like oh, yeah. Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, Sony, the same move. Uh, but uh, MGM was like, fuck you. <laughs> we will sue the <laughs> shit out of you. And we're tired of this. And so they finally got back uh, all the rights as of now. So now Ian owns everything. Ian finally owns all of it. They own Casino Royale took until 2006. That's why they make Casino Royale movie. And then, of course, Spectre. They finally own it in 2015. They have it all. And so far, <laughs> Casino Royale was good. Spectre was not. So I think hopefully now that I have time to marinate, maybe they'll be a little less crazy about it. But anyways, I appreciate you all talking about it because it's just kind of fascinating. It's kind of fascinating. This is like one of the most famous franchises of all time. Like, can you imagine if Star Wars, like, George Lucas just messed up somewhere and someone just got to make just empire strikes back over and over again <laughs> and i only mention that because yeah. of empire the director of empire was same director of this movie yeah yeah well imagine like my take right now is like let's imagine that somehow for some legal reason that like he had the rights to us it would be like it'd be like fucking george lucas just trying to make a solo movie essentially and like disney like right yeah lucas like, only <laughs> owns han solo or or, or. Job right, right. And he, and he just goes off and makes that pissing Disney off to no end. I mean, that's not how it would work out. But it would, it would I have to admit, if I knew that, it'd be one of those things where I would, I would like root for that fucking movie in like a weird sort of way. Like even, yeah. even just, even just over establishment, you know, it's just one of those things. Not, not that I think that like Bond was like, I don't think like the Roger Moore production is like, by the fact that they were just like, they, they consistently come out cheaper is just like the amazing thing about it. And I'm just, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we didn't end up with like, because I do think this had the potential to stall future Roger Moore movies or what came out of it, which is the continuation of the Bond franchise. Like, I do think at, at the same time, this was an existential threat to Bond as a whole in a weird sort of way. Oh, yeah. We, 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 I don't know if we talked about it on air or not, but we, Jack sent us this great trailer. The American it's bitter trailer as fuck. <laughs> it's literally just like, Bit we brought poor. you all the other Bond movies. We're the real ones. Stick with us. America, you make your choice. 2020. No, oh, Jesus. Shit. Yeah, it was like an election yeah. year of Bond. <laughs> it, it was it was awful. Like, But it is. It's also like this one is like so cheeky. And I, I will say like this one, at least the, like the movies, like, I don't know. I don't want to. I will say this. Like, as both neither of these movies are particularly fucking good. Like, neither of these movies are like top 
percentile half of James Bond for me. Uh, I find this one, you know, it's this, this discussion is more interesting than the movie though. I'll agree with that. (laughs) It's like, this was, this is the best part of watching never say never again was being able to talk to you guys about it. But at the same time, like I, I just think that like ultimately, yeah, this is, this is the period of bond. The eighties is just the worst time for bond because he just doesn't fit in. Action is evolving at a pace and he doesn't really find his footing. I just feel like, I feel like the, I feel like Roger Moore has error of run after the spy who loved me. Like his just like, they really want to try to remake him. Like there was a, there was a, a drive to make things grittier again. And Roger Moore just can't hack it. And it just, well, he didn't and like it. He, he famously hated that scene and, I think it's for guys yeah. only where he kicks the car off of the cliff. It's like yeah, he fought it apparently. Scene. He apparently yeah. did not like it and he did not want to shoot that scene. Yeah, we talked about that. Course. He said um, he said it's not something that James Bond necessarily wouldn't do, but it's not something that my James Bond would do. Is, is that Which I, 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 I agree yeah. entirely. Yeah. Yeah, they, they find that a bunch better balance with that in, uh, in the Dalton era, which still feel very 80s, but Dalton has more of that kind of roughness about him that it, it feels better where more you just want that kind of Austin Powersy quippy thing <laughs> like you know the, my favorite scene in Austin Powers where he's like I guess he got a head <laughs> you're like oh stop what do y'all think of uh, Kim Basinger in this movie because she's always been I, an I, odd I, figure I, 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 I legitimately hate everything that she is in honestly wait i don't want to wait oh yeah. kim basinger no no no, kim basinger sorry no i'm thinking i'm thinking of the main girl uh, what's her face that uh, is the main girl the the blonde girl domino, domino kim basinger the blonde. the blonde yeah yeah oh sorry yeah she's uh she's also she's not, most so notably the love interest in batman tim burton's batman yeah, oh, and, and yeah. dated and was married to Alec Baldwin and they were like a celebrity couple for a while and now they hate each other. And, and and I always I always confuse her from the with the love interest from the second Indiana Jones movie, even though they're not even oh, no, Kate Capshaw. related. Yeah, they they kind of have a similar yeah. face. Yeah. They have a similar face and this that came Raiders was out in nineteen eighty one, so it's I think it was like uh, how like Temple of Doom. Or you mean Temple of Doom, or do you mean Raiders? Sorry. No, no, Temple of Doom. uh, Yeah, Yeah, it's the one. It's the blonde lady. That's 1984. Literally came out the year after this. I don't know what it is like about this like time period that they just like actresses had the same sort of look. I mean, I'm sure that's historically accurate. Like, you know, this this was just like the new look that actresses was going for, and it's very similar. And it always like I just don't. I feel I feel like I always associate it with like how bad she is in Temple of Doom, which drives me nuts because it's like monkey skulls. Oh, Oh, yeah. I, I, which is always, not fair to this movie. It fascinates <laughs> me that Megan Temple of Doom like likes that movie when the woman is like a joke in that movie, but she, but that's, and she can't, but it's I, the, I, but it's the campy Indiana Jones and she likes that about it. So I respect it, that. Apparently it's a dark horse. A lot I don't, of people's I favorite. Don't, I don't think it's fair because certain things bug certain people, but it drives me nuts that she doesn't like Castle of Cagliostro. That's the one where I'm like, yes, it's sexism, but like, it's like, I would accept this sexism in Castle of Cagliostro because oh, well, it's such dude, beautiful it's art. Also anime so that's a whole nother culture thing so it's I, fine, I, it's I, fine. I sorry to drag her into it but like uh no i know i feel bad i, I, think I just shot it, it. <laughs> well it's particularly funny that domino you know i remember them saying when they made og thunderball uh that she was going to be more active which you know they say about every bond girl but because she does kill largo in the end but that domino legitimately is a little more assertive this domino is entirely passive yeah she kills him in the end but then She's like, but we should save him, I guess, underwater. <laughs> it's hard it's, to tell it's, what's going it's on. Hor- yeah, yeah. She it's, is she's, completely she's, outside, outshined by the femme fatale, which is 
like my favorite part of this movie, I think, uh, or one of them is Fatima. She, yeah, she's <laughs> and it might be the reason top, that I watched yeah. this one over and over again as a teenager. I don't know why, but she just has so much fun being evil. And I, I, there's it's not totally comfortable when she's like when she's got the gun on him. Like it's not. Oh no! Not, yeah, the, okay, so yeah, Fro- Freudian reading. Uh, she's like femme fatale, raised to like near dominatrix kind of level, and it's un- her undoing that uh, textually she has to be known as the best Bond has ever had. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But it's uh, yeah, I don't it, know. It, I, I, I find her at least kind of charismatic in terms yeah. of. Oh yeah, that whole sequence film. is just so cringy. Where it's just like, oh yeah, no, I want you to write it down. I want you to like prove. Yeah, on this scrap of paper that someone will read someday, I guess. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like you were. It's like you. I was the best jo- ever. Hot. I'm like, oh. It's like it's Zinni Anatop is still the best dominatrix in this universe. Oh no, great. we're getting there. Also, I'm just saying, like so far. But, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But like it is also the same sort of thing. Like I do enjoy that villain type. I just think that like Bond is always going to handle that as a concept, just like kind of like cringily. Oh, it's, it's always like, going to be put down. Yeah, which is part of just the sexual politics, right? Of Bond, which right? is like it is yeah. like bones on top. Yeah, and the bad guy Largo, this Klaus Maria Brandar is uh, kind of interesting in terms of his performance being um, just I don't know it, it, it just kind of words. I don't want to say subtle. He he ends up just being a Oh God. Yeah. Making him play video games. It's domination. It's the the funniest (laughs) fucking thing. I always remember this domination. They play video games. Ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. it, it is. It's one of those things, though, that it comes on screen, and it's just like one of those things from like the eighties. Oh like, yeah, that, like you're talking about I this saw being the eighties. They have all the kid. arcade yeah. games like in there, and he has the, like all these yeah. arcade games, and I'm gonna stand there's next to like this decal the of a. Yeah, yeah. There's something about the eighties where they just wanted to jump ahead, like like the robot in Rocky Four. It's like, bro, yeah. we don't have robots that good now. Like, what it's, are it, you it, talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's like, it obviously, we'll have this tomorrow. We should be representative so it's not old by the time of t- like the next right. day. Like, video games like, will look like yeah. this, <laughs> right? Obviously, it, it, it is like, it, it is like, I just that's that game comes on the screen and it's something about like i thought it was cool in the 90s so like it was old in the 90s by then but like i thought it was cool and so like as a kid i just start like I, there's this internal thing it just comes up and i just start giggling like a little girl though inti- sorry you know i just start giggling like you know insanely the entire time that the, that the fucking game's on the screen and it's like and he's like ah! with his like hands on these remotes and it's like i don't know it's it's the whole thing is just it's so like b-movie and it's just like yeah i, I don't great. think it made any sense the first time i watched it like a decade ago either yeah i, I think it was always nonsensical for sure yeah all right on klaus marie brandauer what i mean because i just want to go through some of his roles and just like the kind of actor i'm talking about these are just some of the yeah. people mm-hmm. he's played, right? Emperor Franz Josef of Hungary, Julius Caesar, Rembrandt, King Nebuchadnezzar, wow. you know, uh, near, uh, you know, Augustus Nero. Like this guy plays like these big regal royal people. And that's why I do think he brings a, a different energy than a lot of the because typically Bond would go for, frankly, a bit of a xenophobic angle of just like 
guy from odd country who can't speak English, but we dub him over and it has this weird, mm. surreal feeling. At least some of the earlier Bonds do that. They, I think after Christopher Walken, they go with a more and more, more caricatures type people. But uh, I don't know, just an interesting vibe. He gives off Klaus Marie Brandauer versus the other yeah. ones who tend to just more have like interesting faces or something like that. He, he, Christopher he has Walken? a softness you- to him. You meant to say oh, Christopher yeah. Lee, I'm, I'm thinking. Oh, no. No, no, well, no. We're getting to Christopher Walken. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Christopher Walken shows up on the Bond franchise? Yeah, Are you buddy, joking? He's on the last more. He's in yeah, He's in it's, oh, a Kill. He's the villain. It's oh, bad. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, I didn't it's, know. It's good. I, I'm Wait sure I've seen a meme Walken. somewhere. Wait till you get Christopher uh, Walken be like, let me tell you about microchips. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's what that's from. That's mm-hmm. that'll be good. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things too. It's Christopher Walken as the villain with Grace Jones as a henchman. On paper, that should really work. <laughs> like that's one of those things. Like you, like I, I, I read the summary of this movie and I'm like, this should work. You know, <laughs> like it's like just from like a weird standpoint. And I always watch this movie and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Also, he looks so uncomfortable in that bed scene. Poor Roger. Well, not poor Roger Moore. He should have lightened up, but like apparently Grace Jones like brought like a like a huge bunch of dildos into the bed to lighten up the mood. Oh yes. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Which I just I just that's just a, that's just a, apparently Roger Moore did not appreciate it. <laughs> no, he did not. Mm, he's not a, this is not a joke and yeah. <laughs> But that's the other thing. Yeah, yes. I, I, I will say, you know, I think your point about Sean Connery is 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 valid and it's unfortunate because Moore definitely was on total coasting duty. And there's apparently like a, a, a novel or not a novel, but like a nonfiction book of his journals filming some of the Bond films. And it's just like woke up today, ate a bagel with cream cheese, did some light calisthenics, went to the set, filmed in front of a green screen for two minutes and then went home. And it's just like... He's just like a very good autopilot actor, and it's unfortunate that like Connery gave a shit, and I don't think the film around it uh, really necessitated. Yeah, also, he, his he piece says. just looks bad in this movie. Frankly, it's I know they grayed up his wig to make it look like less weird, but it just looks rough. And I think he should just accept that he was bald by this point. But you can't uh, it, have it a, is, a, a, yeah. You know, hair is very important to a, a bond. You know, so well, no, like literally the, the like the the fucking the fucking like I don't know cultural state that is James Bond literally being emasculated by losing his hair mm-hmm. is so beautiful and such a in such a great way that it's just like I bet you could just write like I'm sure there have been papers written about you know his piece in this movie being a representation of 80s culture and it's phallic under sensibility so I, I can fucking write this shit just from here bitch like oh, I was just man. like I academia can, yeah. what a, what a what yeah. great place we left <laughs> right I know it's just like right I can just make shit up and just go to town chill off for lunch early sorry it's not how keating let that happen but whatever what y'all think of uh rowan atkinson in this movie by the way that happens yeah that was kind of a surprise (laughs) yeah where was he and i need to look up where he was in his career because i don't think he had done any of his big hits by that point well it's funny too because he turns around and becomes johnny english where he parodies the bond franchise Rowan Atkinson reveals regrets over Bond film role. The actor has said he would have done it very differently and given another chance. What the fuck? 
He would have put a turkey on his head. I mean, he, came out <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have his his two motivations are cock block and be generally inept. Like that's that's pretty much what he gets to do. So that's where all his humor pretty much comes yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it looked like he he was kind of known in Britain at this point from 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 various things, but he had not done his big shows like Black Adder or Mr. Bean yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Black Adder. Black Adder was like eighty five, right? Yeah. Right around then. Yeah. So it's he's about to take off, but he's he's like so he's like he yeah, he's he's in the perfect Bond strike zone. He's not important, but like, you know, he's kind of he's got like a thing. Katie's calling me, which means I need to go cook her dinner. Uh so let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, guys. <laughs> so yeah, uh what uh we're going to start with some scores here. Uh Trevor, I wanted to uh, I wanted to keep you pure and let you go first. That keep, sounds keep weird. Keep me keep me pure? Pure yeah, so pure like what? You're not swayed. You're not swayed by my score, or Ben's score. Oh, like I would be. I give no shits about these in terms of rating them on a scale. You guys know that by now. <laughs> Um, Sorry. you know, I, I like to remember from Russia with love and I gave that what a five or something, I think. So like, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's on par with pretty much the other Connery films for me at a 4.5. I think, uh, there's just not really any wow factor for me at any point. Um, and we, we, yeah, we talked about like the changing culture of the stunt work and whatnot, but also like, there's just not really a kind of vision for any of the action scenes to me. You know, I even, it almost makes me miss, uh, Lewis Gilbert kind of, we get into this temple in the end and it's just guys shooting at each other, but it, the space feels kind of wasted and compared, especially with how much money they probably spent on it in comparison to some of those movies even. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of bland. It's it's weird. Yeah, uh, no no wow factor for me, and no real big camp moment that that made me laugh either. The closest what? we got, the closest we got was probably when he uh, opens his briefcase in the spa and it's full of like carbs, <laughs> like that. That was probably. I mean, it has camp. I'm not denying that. I just think it's not. You know, I, it's it's not more for sure. You, and it's you not, know what it uh, is? It's it's dead. Sorry, I don't. I, I'm interrupting your time. No, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's dad camp, right? Maybe. Like it's, yeah. it's 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 the Sean Connery version of camp, and it's like it's weird that like it's both like it's it's like it it this movie has no time to find and set its tone, and so this tone is continuously just shifted between the existing things. Like you know the tone in like Octopussy is like dead set for better or worse. Like it's like we are here, motherfuckers, in the middle of camp, and we're gonna go straight on. Uh, but it's like you know, Octopussy. That that tone developed over like several movies, and it fluctuated. And there's weaknesses in the franchise because of that tone. This movie ha- is like just looking at Roger Moore. It's 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 it is like a weird thing where somebody's like looking at Roger Moore, and it's like trying to recreate Connery at the same time. And it's like it's just like you know, it's the two things going this way in a gigantic cr- train crash. Uh, sorry, car crash. Sorry, I'm interrupting yeah. all your. No, shit. no, no. I'm I'm, I'm pretty much done. I mean, yeah, he does. He has have, he does have some quips like with the whole pen thing with with Fatima but like uh, yeah I guess visually especially it's kind of missing that you, you didn't kinda. enjoy the the new jetpack that looked like it had two lamps I did not I brought this up earlier I was unimpressed <laughs> I was like the frogmen though the frogmen were so much cooler <laughs> they just they are, you know they, they 
they they worked. There was like an action set piece vision kind of to them going into the water and setting up this battle. It was all kind of flowed together when they launched them out of the sub. It's just kind of like a convenience to get from point A to point B. It doesn't really serve any larger uh, purpose. It was, uh, was kind of fun to look also, at. Also, but. was that a real horse that they jumped off that thing? Oh, I that wondered scene? about that. Ooh, yeah, it, it looked too real and it made me concerned <laughs> yeah it, it, it's also it's how like the horse like Milo fell Lotus, on its like, <laughs> you know yeah you're like you guys just did that you were it, just cruel to that animal that's, that's like all there right, is to it right the last moment you could still kind of get away with that I feel like, and, uh, mm. like yeah yeah so and if I do have the last thing to say it's that the score is uh, terrible <laughs> we're kind of yeah. laying it on thick with Awful. sexy sax <laughs> laying yeah. it on thick with the sexy saxophone man <laughs> Oh, yeah, and and oh. they just don't have access to the Bond themes. That's the other thing. They, like, you mm-hmm. just they just didn't have access to like the important shit. And it's like you know twenty five years of built up Bond theming. It just you know, yeah, it's better. All right, uh, Ben. Um, I'm gonna give it a four. This one's pretty rough for me. Um, Trevor, what did you give the score again? I'm so sorry. Four point five, which is better than Doctor No, but not as good as Russia of Love. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, I, I know that doesn't do it. Right, right. Love, I'd be very annoyed at you. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, um, Doctor No, I, uh, you know, I could take or leave. That's that's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's right. I think the problem is is like there's so many Bond things that I come for, and it is that Eon stuff. And I I think it is, you know, I I, I think that is. You know, the more I read about it, the more I think that just Eon was just so afraid of this movie that they they sent out like the word that if you go on this, you are dead to us kind of thing. So I think it, it is a case of they had to work with what they had, but it's also a case of, I think so much of it is really frustrating. I just think visually it's not very interesting, which is kind of surprising to me because I think Irving Kirshner did obviously empire is incredible looking. And then um, uh, I think RoboCop two is actually pretty good looking, but I think maybe he's better when he, I don't know. He maybe he just needs a good cinematographer. Some directors are like that. So um, I just think it was visually very bland. I think it didn't have anywhere near the kind of fun sets or anything like that. I think the matte paintings and everything just looked really cheap. Uh, the action was not as interesting, and the score sucked. Like it was really bad. And and there's just something very disappointing that even when I have a Bond movie I like, there's just like something about that opening music song. And a great opening credit sequence. This is just like boring 007 letters over stuff. And I just I just instantly just feel down. <laughs> like as soon as it starts, I'm like, it's it's the it's the equivalent of when you buy the off-brand cereal that doesn't taste like you think, oh, it's cheaper. Maybe it's gonna taste enough like frosted flakes, but it doesn't. And you're just like, yeah. oh no. It is I this movie is the literal representation of what it's like to shop at Aldi. It, it <laughs> is. It's just like off-brand everything, and you're like I wish I Man, had I really want some goddamn fix. fucking Cheerios, motherfucker. Like, yeah, I want know, Pop Tarts, not yeah, Prop Rarts. I don't know. I need um, my brain because it responds more to brands than it does to actual taste. It so does. perfect. And, and I am very brand loyal to Eon Bond, and I, I just yeah. am. And and there's something about this that just doesn't do enough new. It just I, is Thunderball, but just not as snazzy. Even though I don't yeah. love Thunderball, you know, it's like it's it's worse Thunderball. It's just not great. I, I I'll admit to a couple of things. Like it is, it is like 
I, I think that's the perfect way. It is more legit to talk about the flavor of this movie being specific to the brand of Bond being an experience that you have is more specific than saying like, you know, the taste of cereal because they're pretty similar. Like it, it is one of those things where it's like every all the elements, all the tiny elements in the built up background of the franchise builds up to an experience and you just wanted to go in like you wanted to walk in and have your Avengers movie. And it's the same sort of fucking thing. It's just the thing you have. Uh, yeah, they've reinvented it over time period. But, you know, I think that it's one of those things. I am more positive about this than either of you. I'll say that I'm at a five. Uh, I can take or leave this movie. Uh, I know that's like much more positive than like, you know, I, th- I think this movie's uh, I don't know that I can be here because it's better. It's, it'd be I'd be saying it's better than Goldfinger and it's probably not. I give it the same score as Goldfinger. But, you know, I'm harsh. Yeah. So, no, you're harsh. It's fine. But it's like also like. I have no I have no thoughts about this movie. I do think that I'm probably biased on this movie because this was like a big 80s movie because this this one, this is the syndication bond that it is on TV all the fucking time, because, you know, if if you don't have a deal with the bonds, you can probably get a deal with MGM for this fucking movie to put it on television. Maybe that's why I saw it more often. You did. It is. It is more in syndication because like if you get the bonds, you probably get all the bonds and then you have a bond fucking marathon on TNT, which is fucking how I saw the majority of the bonds back in the first day, like all the ones that I'd never seen before. So I I just think that like, you know, this is one that I did see a lot as a kid. And so like I do kind of get tickled by it um, because I saw this before Thunderball, actually, though. Thunderball is absolutely superior version. I think I did, too. I don't think I'd ever seen Thunderball until this watch through. Yeah. But Thunderball, I gave a positive score, too. And this is totally just like. So, yeah. yeah, the movie gang podcast gives never say never again. The return of Sean Connery to the James Bond franchise or, you know, sub franchise a 4.5 out of 10. Don't go see it. Uh, don't check it out. It dot. Let it die in the cradle. Yeah, it's it. it unless you're like a 1000 percent completist, like maybe you should watch it. But even then, it's like. The- you're, you're not going to get any experience that you're not going to get from just reading about it being made. <laughs> this this is the thing. This is the movie that like the completest. They'll be like, oh, you didn't watch Never Say Never Again. Then you never watched all the Bond. And then another Bond freak to the side is going to be like, fuck you. It doesn't count. Like <laughs> I'm that. Yes, yeah, it's like on the, other, it's like, on the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is like tossing dynamite into the middle of like a bunch of Bond fans. It's like never say never again. Ah! It's like how you start a food fight, you know, <laughs> for sure. Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, same goes for that fucking Woody Allen one. That movie sucks, too. <laughs> just don't even watch that Casino Royale comedy movie. I think God, I forgot it's Woody Allen. That is just so weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's got not- And it's got Orson Welles. It's just got, like, a weird cast. Honestly, yeah. it's just oh. also the thing of, like, 60s comedies, like, the, those, like, acid-trippy comedies. Can't stand them. They just are one of those genres I can't stand. It, it doesn't ha- it does not really concern itself with making sense is the reality. That, <laughs> no, yeah, it or does, telling it, it jokes does. or entertaining. Or <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's it's like it, it's somehow both bad and up its own ass at the same time. And just it that really perfect is. storm of ways like, yeah. like performance. It's like, it's, no, it, but no. Well, oh, Jesus. It's like <laughs> That's coming from this. I wish it had that lofty of goals. <laughs> yeah. I think it just wanted I, exactly, to. Like, yeah. I think everyone was just stoned out of their mind and they yeah, were laughing yeah. at anything. I think it's all it was. Yeah. Eh, fuck it. <laughs> I th- I still think you can laugh. I laugh at this movie probably more, so I don't know. Yeah, all right, for so. the movie for the movie gang podcast, this has been Ben Haworth. Oh, I'm just gonna keep drinking my giant tall boy, thinking about whenever I'll see No Time to Die, which will be never. I just need to accept that it'll be never ever <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it's just never gonna happen. Just chill. It's okay. Everybody's gonna I live. Wanna, it's. I could have saw it months ago. <sighs> 
Man. We all have those. We all have those. I know. There's much bigger issues, but still, I can whine a little bit. Mm. It's cool. I. It's everything sucks this year, man. It's it's how it is. Uh, for the Movie Gang podcast, pep us up, Trevor Flynn. Yeah, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need. I need Trevor Friend to make life seem better. You do actually make it seem better. I'm it, making a joke, it, but it's yeah. It is. It is no time to die. Stay yeah. safe. Be safe. Make it. Make it to next April so you can see the next James Bond movie. That's. I don't know why. Like I know that that's like a like that people will legitimately like prolong their life to do that. But like I. Well, I, I know just, Ben like, will, which is why I said because <laughs> I care about. It. Yeah, I will. I'll keep working. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been your host. Ring fit. I got ring fit. I've done ring I, fit. And my legs hurt. I, look, look, there's like twelve. <laughs> there's like twelve texts here telling me that I need to come cook chicken for okay, my boy because chicken. All right. I, I got in trouble because like, I've been in, had this chicken marinating. So now I know our, our kitchen smells like you know Greek chicken, and she's just like mad because it's like nine thirty here at night. But I'm recording. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay, go I gotta do it. All right. Point is. Love the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Newman. Enjoy the Movie Gang Podcast. Head on to the Tuscan Shed Media Network. This is TuscanShed.com, where you can check out all other podcasts, including Pen and Paper Pod. Just, we have a really great run where the, I'm just nearly fucking killing these murder hobos every day. It's great. I really love it. Uh, they threw an old lady out a window and burned her alive last session. It was great. So we're really just going into, like, true villainy territory now. She tried to poison them with a pie. I will say that. Uh, I mean, yeah, you no, say great. they. It was, it was Tanner. But uh, it was t- I yeah, didn't t- stop him, so... Uh, <laughs> It was just snitches yeah. hit fireballs. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so check that out. You can also check out Animania. We're doing a lot of stuff. New seasons coming up. Tons of new great shit coming out. So check it out. It's never been a better time to do seasonal watch-along anime because you probably have the time. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to be associate that. I feel like I have less time during COVID. I feel like I'm busy all the time. Mostly because I'm going to like spine appointments, but other than that, like you know, uh, check that out uh, from everyone here at the Movie Gang Podcast. One last time, and by extension, the, uh, the Tuscan Shed Media Network. That's two more texts from Katie. Uh, thanks <laughs> for listening. I gotta run. You do. <laughs>